and welcome back, finally, to another episode of The Juice and the Squeeze. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing okay, Julia. How are you? I'm I'm good. It's uh it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> I know it feels like it's been forever. It 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 has indeed. Uh dear listeners, just for a little bit of context, um uh not only have we not talked to you for a long time, but we have hardly even talked to each other for a long time. So this like catching up that we're about to do is uh is authentic. You know, um, yeah, we always keep it real. We don't fake any of this. So when we you know, when we don't know stuff, we actually don't know stuff. And we deliberately limited our pre on air banter. So we still don't know stuff. <laughs> right. Well, we're all, we're all uh, so it's been a year together. since we really have talked. Has, did you look and it up? Has it been recorded. a year? It was last June. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, hope 2023 is going well for, for all of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so our plan for today is to kind of uh, like uh, catch up and explain why it's been 14 months since we've last uh, spoken. Um, and, you know, kind of talk about the, the stuff that's been going on and uh, how that fits in with our whole uh, juice and squeeze mentality. All right. G- I'll go first because I feel like it's go my fault yeah, I, that's, I think that's more good. than yours, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we talked last June. In July, uh, my family, we moved from St. Louis to Boston, and I started a job at Northeastern University, where I am now, uh, both you know, academically, I'm there now, but also I'm sitting in my office. Uh, and that officially started in August. And really, the whole year has been a ton of transition and nothing big, but just figuring out how to do everything, you know, how to order stuff for the lab and, um, you know, how to get into buildings and all the all the things you have to do. And that you know took a surprising amount of kind of time and, and mental energy. So that was a lot of the fall for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess I mean, we can come back to it, but I mean, it's, it's been going well and things are going great. I like being here and, and all that, but it just sort of took a lot of mental energy. How is having a new job different this time around, right? Like being, being a new, new faculty member has its, has its own challenges, but, but some of those are about things that aren't just about being new at being a faculty member, right? Like I'm, you got to learn yeah. your way around and figure out you know, you need to talk funny. to the business office to get things done. And yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't um, bring a lot of people with me. I had a pretty small lab at WashU. Hi, everybody, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but uh, for various reasons, people were, you know, kind of committed to, to St. Louis. And so I showed up here on my own and it felt a, like it felt a lot like when I first started 10 years ago. Um, more sure. than I thought. I would have thought, okay, I've been doing it for 10 years. I'm kind of an expert. I'm just going to like sit in a different building. But but mm-hmm. all the little things, all the little frictions that I, you know, got my way around, like, you know, or, again, ordering office supplies or doing travel reimbursements or who do you talk to about your ID card, like every day brought a new like baby challenge. Um, mm-hmm. So all of those things felt just as hard as the first time. And I really felt like a newbie. Uh, yeah. But with, you know, with some experience and probably feeling a little more sure in my career than I did 10 years ago, being tenured and and stuff like that. So I I sort of Mm -hmm. don't have the big picture worry, but the day-to-day was, yeah, remarkably like being an assistant professor. Yeah, that's really, boy, um, that, that resonates that the idea of like kind of being a, being a newbie again. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I I remember talking with my postdoc mentor, uh, wonderful Dennis Barber, um, and him talking about like the the kind of cycles of that we go through throughout life, where you go from being the oldest, most experienced one to being the newest, least experienced one every time you like level up, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, from like when you go from elementary school to middle school and like at every point and, you know, uh, finishing my PhD and being like, I know how to do this. I'm like confident. And then getting into the postdoc and new lab. I mean, I went from a psych PhD to a biomedical engineering postdoc. And so I didn't, I don't know anything about biomedical engineering. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, like it was a, it was, it was a real transition because I went from knowing the most in the group to like knowing the least in the group. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you know, yeah, no, totally. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And and that like every time every time you level up, there's this like, oh, no, how's it going to work? This is hard. There's so much stuff I don't know. Am I smart enough? Can I handle it? Are they Mm going to figure out that I don't deserve to be here? Blah, blah, blah. Um, But I have found that the more of those you do for me, every time I find myself in that situation, I'm like, you know what, kiddo, you have done this a number of times. You can probably do it again. You're going to figure it out, you know, and like kind of figuring out those tools for for being new again mm-hmm. um, gets easier, even though the like figuring out all that stuff is still hard every time and like, raise, you know, brings up all of those same doubts, I feel like, every time. Yeah, I think there's um, there's kind of a skill in trusting yourself that you'll figure it out. And, yeah, and the, fir- yep. the very first time, whatever that is, but like, I mean academically i guess for me that was like graduate school you know yep. i was like i don't know will I, will I ever have an idea for an experiment okay i have one idea will i ever have another idea or whatever mm-hmm. and now i don't worry about that i worry about other stuff right, right. so i right. kind of trust it will it will come i remember like among my first times teaching i probably told this story on here before sorry if i have um i remember uh saying like thinking okay i know everything that i'm going to talk about really clearly but i don't know anything else so i super hope they don't ask any questions and then somebody (laughs) asked a question and i was like oh awesome i got super lucky i happen to know the answer to that question Mm -hmm. and then somebody asked another question i was like oh amazing guess what i also happen to know the answer to that question and and that thing of being like i have no idea what i'm doing but then gradually being like no, actually, I kind of do a little bit. No, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously plenty of self-doubt and things are hard and all of that. But like, I feel like just going through that process of, wait, actually, I am capable of doing this makes it so much easier the next time. Yeah. And just um, for us, Julia, we don't have, no one else has to listen to this. But maybe if we record again before next year, let's come back to teaching because I'm uh, I did a new prep last semester and I have two new preps coming up this coming semester. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like redoing a lot of a lot of stuff or just rethinking about how I do things and different class structures. And I'd love to talk that over with you at some point. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And so, OK, so the, the I mean, I guess this is a nice transition to the the thing that is new. Well, new ish for me is that I became department chair in July of 22, so just over a year ago, um, and have been really struck at how, you know, entering a new position and a new role and having new responsibilities is, yeah, like I'm a newbie again, Mm -hmm. right? And I just, you know, I got tenure a few years ago. I am like very comfortable with my teaching and my research program is going along nicely, you know, and I was kind of at this point where I was like, I know what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, the, the machine is continuing to roll. I'm feeling good with it. And now it is, 
here's a job that you have no training for and is brand new and, you know, makes lots of different kinds of demands than you're used to. Uh, Godspeed. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> Good luck. So, so, yeah. So I'm also, I'm also a, a newbie again. Mm-hmm. What do you, I guess you, you kind of asked me this too, but, you know, what has been the most challenging part of that transition for you? Um, yeah, I think one of them is the like kind of organization and time management stuff of just figuring out, um, when chair duty happens relative to when other, all of the other duties happen, right? Like how do you fit in a whole bunch of new stuff and what do you let go of to make Mm -hmm. room for a whole bunch of new stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, and at Carleton, the, the chair duties come with a one course teaching reduction. Um, and, and I think it's, I think, I think it is more work typically, like if there's nothing going on, if there aren't any, like, you're not <laughs> if you, hiring if there's no or doing a tenure review you have or, to do. <laughs> or a colleague is sick or like, yeah, if there isn't, yeah. or like a departmental review, if, like, if, if there isn't a big thing happening, um, then, then one course is probably right or, or, you know, even, even generous. But if there's a lot of stuff going on, then, you know, which is kind of like unpredictable, then, mm-hmm. then, um, so part of it is just, well, I really like almost all of my job. So which parts do I, am I going to do less of to make room for, you know, for, for, for chair mm-hmm. duties? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, and a lot of the, a lot of chair stuff feels, um, feels very time sensitive. And like, if I don't do a good job, I'm letting somebody else down. Mm-hmm. And at this stage in my career, like, I have tenure. I'm not looking to move to a different institution. Um, so, so the choices that I'm making, like, uh, a lot of it isn't what is going to be good for my career and what is going to like benefit me. A lot of it is like, how can I set my students up maximally for success? How can I support my junior colleagues? How can I, you know, like, um, feel very fortunate to now be at the point of my career where mostly I'm thinking about how to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so chair stuff, a lot of that is about helping other people. And so it would be very easy for me to just invest all of my time and energy into that and let my teaching fall apart and let my research <laughs> fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so trying to balance, you know, keeping keeping lots of things going at once. Um, that's been, I think, the the trickiest part. Do you have and it's just yeah sorry do you have sorry, any like sorry. like epiphany or like insight would you say aha if I do x y and z it works or is it more like week by week you just have to kind of reevaluate Yeah um I'm I'm really looking forward to to doing things for like the second time this mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. right because I think a lot of the like learning how to do stuff um is part of what what takes a lot of time and after you have, you know, let's say, uh, what's a good example? Looked at syllabi from different study abroad programs to figure out what course in the major those might count for at Carleton, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, mm-hmm. you know, I have no training in it's. But once you do it a few times, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of see what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff all has gotten a lot faster. And so... Um, so I think so I think it's going to get easier. I'm, you know, ever ever the optimist. Um but then the biggest the biggest thing is having really good people and 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 trusting them to do stuff, right? So like this is um I I now have like more staff people 
super, I'm like now supervise more staff people than I have before. Mm-hmm. And, and just having a great team and figuring out how to like make working conditions that work well for everybody so that I can just pass a lot of stuff off and yeah. come up with systems to like delegate a lot of things and, you know, have, um, have lots of help because it's definitely now at the point where like, I can't do it all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been useful. And the other thing, of course, uh, is when I started, we didn't have like a like a psychology chairs handbook. Um, and so the first thing that I started doing was just like writing down everything that the next chair needs to know that would have been helpful, you know, to have handed mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, you know documenting stuff, logging stuff, organizing stuff. Does this sound like me? No, Hashtag not at all. error tight <laughs> psychology chair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's coming up with systems and figuring out how to manage time. It's all, it's, it's all very juice and squeezy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, good. Um, yeah. Well, you know, something we don't get training for, or at least I don't know anyone who has is like being a manager. And mm. as soon as you, I mean, okay, let's, let's leave, you know, students aside, but, um, you know, I've hired employees in my lab and I'm listed as their supervisor and I have to fill out annual reviews and all these very managerial type stuff. And it sounds like you're yeah. moving into this too. And oh it's such an important part of the job. And it's like, it just, you know, you get thrown into it. Um, so I don't know I, in a different the world where is- I feel like I had more time, yeah. I would like take a class on this. <laughs> the thing that is so crazy about our gig is like when you get your first faculty job, you have a lot of training in how to do research. Mm-hmm. You have maybe a little bit of training in how to teach. And you have no training in, like, how to do budgets and right. how to manage a team and how to, like, you know, like, all of the all of the stuff that we actually spend a ton of our time doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and totally, like, figuring out... <laughs> This is so boring. Figuring out the like, uh, you know, budget codes that you need if you want to pay a position from three different pots of money or uh-huh, something, right? Uh-huh, yep. And that's like, I understand that that's necessary, but but you know, it is not like why I got into this business, right? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> um, one of the challenges, right? Is to kind of keep the yeah. passion too, because you could easily spend forty hours a week on that stuff. Yeah, uh, if exactly. you wanted to, if you let yourself, but then, you know, that takes the joy out of it. I remember when I was a grad student and like sensing how faculty were like really busy and doing lots of stuff and thinking to myself, like, what is it that they are doing? I just like don't <laughs> get what fills up all their time. Uh-huh. Um, and man, it really um it's it is. Well, OK, the phrase that is jumping into mind, but I don't quite like is death by a thousand cuts, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Where it's not like there's this one thing I have to do and it takes up all my time. It's that I'm in charge of 25 different things mm-hmm. and they all seem important and pressing to the people who are involved in each of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And 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 there's just so much other stuff that's involved in this gig the higher up you get that is farther away from research and teaching. Yeah. Yeah, and this is something... We've talked about before, of course, but I've always struggled with like how to have protected time for the stuff I enjoy, and right. I, it just gets harder every year. There's more, there's more meetings and more admin stuff, and um, a big change in my job was that at WashU, I was at the medical school and I had no 
service. I was on a couple of like dissertation committees, but no actual committees. It was like mm-hmm. intended to be all research. And then I taught kind of on the side, um, but no committees. And now I'm on like, uh, sorry, don't yell at me, department chair. I forget. I think I'm on four committees. It might be five. Um, and each individual one is actually not that much work is all very reasonable, but like that's five extra meetings times a few times a semester plus uh, center meetings. I'm in two departments. I have two department meetings, college Mm, meetings, uh, school meetings and university wide stuff. I, I, I could, I could spend an entire week just doing that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, and then it brings us all back to, you know, all of the all of the things we've been talking about, um, you know, for the last several years and new. Right. Like, mm-hmm. how do you choose what to say no to and who do you disappoint and how do you prioritize what you're working on when? And... <laughs> I love that. Who do you disappoint? I know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And, just, and you... I, myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, but but also, uh, I don't know. You know, I have I have these conversations with students all the time where they're like. Once I finish this term, then I'm going to be okay. Or like Mm -hmm. once I graduate, then I'm going to be okay. And, and, you know, and like, I'm trying to come up with ways of being like, gently telling them Uh the, oh, this sounds, this sounds so depressing, but hear me out. Nobody turn it off right now. Uh, That like, there's never a point when like, you're just like, great, I'm done. Everything's fine. Everything is easy. I now no longer have anything to worry about. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you never actually reach. And now everything is okay. Um, in in part because you keep leveling up in different ways, right? Yep, and right. and when that happens, things are complicated again. And there's like always going to be challenges. And so it's really about like figuring out how to deal with whatever those are, not trying to get to a point where those don't exist anymore. Yeah. And also, I, I think... I don't know. Just so, and we've talked again. I'll, we'll stop saying we've talked about it before because not everyone has. I forget <laughs> what we said, and been, no one else it's remembers. It's been years either. at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, but increasingly, as we progress, so so academically, right when we get tenure or full professor or whatever, um, you know, we have increasing job security. And so I, I've heard it said that if you're a full professor and you're unhappy with how you spend your time, it's nobody's fault but your own. Which yeah. It's kind of true and kind of not fair because because of reasons. But um, anyway, I think we do have a lot of agency over that. But I still fight against it because because mm-hmm. I don't want to disappoint people. I want to help X, Y, and Z people. And I'm asked to do these committees. And it's good to review for journals. And I enjoy writing manuscripts and all the things. It's like really hard to say no. Yeah. Yep. It's it's also been an interesting, you know, transition too, to to um, have the opportunity to really think about like, I mean, it, the the way chair works at Carlton, uh, I certainly do not have like unlimited power to unilaterally make huge decisions that sway the course of the department. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like chair is in part um, like being responsible for the things that maybe otherwise no one would volunteer to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's some like, you know, gentle, uh, gentle nudging of, of agenda. Like what are the things that we're talking about? What are the things that we're working on? And, and so it is like really interesting to be like, okay, what, how, how can we make this better? Like, what are the, what are the barriers for students? Are there inequitable barriers? Are mm-hmm. there ways that we can, 
make things easier for our junior faculty? Are there ways that we can make the department um, more uh, more welcoming, more interdisciplinary? You know, and like actually thinking through, yeah, what do I want to change? Like, how do I? What are the what are the influences that I want to have? And which of these are reasonable to work on in the time frame that I've got? Mm-hmm. Um, is really is cool and and I mean, and that's definitely like the interesting, the, the most fun part about it for me. Um, but also the part that you know, I have I have no training for. I guess I don't right. even know what training would look like for that. Um, <laughs> you, your but, first year on the job, you just did it. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, on the job training. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and so, in addition to like having having these new roles, it's also some changes in priorities. Um, where I, I am doing, for instance, when I think about like what my first year of teaching was like versus what my first year of being chair was like and where I devoted time and energy in those two different years of being a newbie. Um, and in my first year of teaching, it was a lot of teaching and also some like getting my lab set up. And now I can put much less time into teaching because I have preps and I always like freshen them up and add stuff and, you know, revise based on how it went the last time. But I can do that, you know, in like an hour or two prep for a given lecture rather than eight or 10 hours of prep for a given lecture that I was probably doing my my first mm-hmm. my first year of teaching um, and then spending time working on other stuff. So I've, I've been um, thinking a lot lately about the places where I have. Um, value above replacement, like, you know, comparative advantage. Uh, what are the things that I can actually, I think I do in a way that may be more effective than if you just threw somebody else in my position um, mm-hmm, could, mm-hmm. could do it? Because there's plenty of stuff that I feel just like wholly replaceable, right? Mm-hmm, there are some committees mm-hmm. where I'm like, any reasonable person, you could take any other person on the faculty, and I'm sure they would do as good a job at this. Yep. Um, and so thinking about, you know, where to prioritize um, and and the the places that I feel like I can have, you know, be the most helpful or have the most influence. Um, and that is like a whole different set of challenges mm-hmm. than, you know, when I was a newbie last time, right? Like yeah. start, starting a faculty gig. How about you? How like, do you, do you feel like your priorities have shifted in this transition? I mean, to a new, to a new position, or is it mostly trying to do the same stuff you were doing before, but in a new place and with a new team? Oh, it's a great question. I think, um, so to the extent that I actually have committees and things to be on now, I feel like that that's been a change in like the demands on my time. Um, mm-hmm. not that those aren't priorities cause I want to do a good job, but I, you know, I do feel fairly replaceable on most of those committees. Like someone's got to do it. You need some reasonable people to make some decisions, but it's not like something I'm particularly gifted at, you know, but it's right. fine. Yeah. I, I'm happy to do that. The lab stuff has all been, yeah, at least trying to get back to a baseline of like things happen, like submitting IRB proposals or like knowing how to pay subjects or just like getting things up and running. So it's kind of that newbie stuff again. Yeah. Um, but then I'm, I think right now, like this past summer, I'm kind of, we had a couple of people join the lab and I'm gradually getting past that. And then I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious, like research wise, I have a couple of new directions to go in, which I'm excited about. Um, but then I also feel like I have I have less time. So mm-hmm. uh, so another thing which I don't think I mentioned before, um, I'm writing a textbook 
on the neuroscience Ooh. of language, which I'm happy to talk about more. Uh, but it's supposedly due in December. And I, I was like, I wanted to get it done like a long time ago. And of course, it didn't happen for reasons. Um, but that's so that's kind of like that should be my only priority, right? You shouldn't have too many priorities. That should be number one. But it's sort mm -hmm. of like, you know, anyway, it's one of a bunch of stuff. Um, and then the two classes I'm teaching in the fall are using that textbook, like the, you know, the, my version of it, not the published the version. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Which I'm, I'm super excited about because I want to get some feedback and like from actual students, um, which is great. But then, of course, I have to write the textbook. So on the right. one hand, it's like, quote unquote, easy because it's a topic I know really well. And I'm authoring the, you know, the textbook. On the other hand, it's like a big ball of you haven't written the textbook yet and your entire next three months depend on that. Uh, so I'm kind of, Ooh. yeah, I, I'm okay. I'm kind of, I, I'm a little scared. Because yeah, there's other stuff yeah, I want to uh, do too, right? So it's like I can't right. just do nothing else, but I probably should. Right. What's, um, um how do you, how do you break up writing a textbook yeah so what like, i did what's your what's your, what's your plan yeah yeah i'll, I'll tell what's you exactly method? what i did which i like i'm sure it's not rocket science i just made it up myself and it worked for me but every, everyone probably has a different approach so um uh when i was you know approached about writing the textbook i had to do a prospectus and so i like outlined the chapters and um they're you know they're languagey things it's like background and you know, a little bit about brain structure and then kind of thinking about speech production and perception and different levels of language analysis and i just sort of you know did it off the top of my head and edited it and then as i'm writing i just i'm using scrivener uh which is a writing program on the mac have you ever come across that before uh -uh. it's sort of um aimed at people writing books or like, like if you're, I mean, whatever kind of book, mystery, novel, romance, whatever technical book. Um, but it's, everything is in one big file, but it's really easy to get bookmarks and do little, um, you know, to go to section by section. And so once okay, I yeah, set yeah. up, you know, the outline, then I'll just, if I'm writing, um, I'm like, okay, I have an hour to write. I'll just pull up a, a chapter or, or a section and just be like, okay, I'm just going to try to write a couple paragraphs here and just kind of chip away at it, which has actually been really effective. Um, sure. So, but yeah. So anyway, that's, it's been a, it's probably been two years that I've been working on that, give or take, okay. uh, you know, mm -hmm. pandemic and then the move um, kind of interrupted some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, the reason I was asking about it is, you know, I, I uh, have, I've had, you know, plenty of big projects, but I've never had a project, like a single project that's that big. And so just kind of thinking yeah. through. No, well, when I decided to do it, uh, I was like, well, I've written chapters before, you know, for edited volumes. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. well, I know how to write a chapter and this mm -hmm. is going to be, you know, nine or 10 chapters. So I'm like, well, I just do that thing I just did. And I'll do it right, like yeah. nine more times. I'm like, well, that's annoying, but I can do that. Um, and it, and largely, <laughs> actually, that's kind of how it's gone. Um, yeah. So, I mean, pending, I haven't gotten any feedback from anybody. So <laughs> anyway, so far, so good. Does it have Easter eggs? Not many. I'll tell you, though, anyway, since you asked, I'm trying to take a different approach or a different approach that I've seen to um, similar textbooks. Like... 
again, speaking of things we have no training in, like there are people who like spend their career figuring out how to write a good textbook and what students need and what are good pedagogical, you know, things to include. And like, I don't know any of that stuff. So I'm just making it up. Um, Anyway, (laughs) but my, my sense is a lot of textbooks are written by written by scientists and you know we know how to write review articles and so Mm -hmm. we treat textbooks like a big review article it's like i have to mention all the right people and cite all the right studies i'm going to put in all the figures from all the most important papers uh, which is fine but then i'm thinking about the audience for this you know i'm i'm always big on like who's the audience who's the audience uh so if you're an undergraduate student who has never read a paper or book or anything about language in your entire life, you don't need to read a paragraph that's like, well, Peel said this and Strand said that and so-and-so said the other thing. Like all those details are just confusing because you don't know who those people are, right? Yep. Um, So what I've tried to do, and hopefully we'll see if it works, is like move all that stuff to footnotes, um, sure. which is more of a tradition in the humanities. I feel like in like in English or history, you write a book and then all the details and all your sources are like smooshed in the end notes or footnotes. So yeah, I'm yeah. trying that approach and making it like you can read the prose. Um, I don't want to take credit for all these ideas, but then I try to be like, okay, here's the paper, you know, where I got this idea and here's another interesting tidbit. And that's all in footnote end note, depending on what the publisher sure, yeah, yeah. does. Um, so it's actually been fun to write that way. And I, so you said about Easter eggs, there aren't a lot, there aren't yet a lot of like clever things in there, but I do go on tangents and down rabbit holes in the footnotes that I just like enjoy Like, you know, you pull one oh, thing sure. up and you're like, oh, is this kind of interesting? And then like, here's a little factoid or whatever. Uh-huh. I, um, if you're looking, if you're looking for, for inspiration, um, mm-hmm. I recently read uh, Ed Yong's new book, An Immense World, which mm-hmm. is about um, animal sensation and perception. And it is, like, stunning. I think it is the best nonfiction book I've ever read. It's just oh, incredible. Wow. Cool. Um, and one of the things that I just adore about it is so, – so the the book is maybe, like, I don't know, maybe a third to half stuff I already knew and and the other, the other chunk new to me. Um, and uh, the – and there were there are many places where he would like describe something that I know well. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a book written for lay people. And so he would like describe it in a way that is like a way that lay people can understand, but still like totally factually accurate. Right. Like not dumbed down to the point that it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then often would include footnotes that say like, OK, I'm saying it this way. In fact, there are some conflicting findings. It might be this way for this group and this way for this group and further research is needed, whatever. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But it's like I think the best use I've ever seen of using footnotes to describe like nuance in the literature while still presenting kind of a clear unified story like in in the main text. Uh Uh-huh. Perfect. That sounds Um, great. Yeah. And it it, yeah, it worked worked really well. Okay, I'm going to put a link to that in our show notes. Yes. And, oh um, man. By the it's way, so good. Get, do you remember what episode do you think we're on? Oh, guess. Come on. Um, forty-five. Oh, so close. Forty-eight. Oh, pretty good. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm. Imp- I think if I hadn't looked, I would have not gotten that right. <laughs> um. By the way, total. Anyway, uh, tangent. Um. I, we have a local bookstore, a couple of local bookstores that I really like. And um, lately they've been linking to bookshop.org. 
and which is oh, like yeah. so instead of Amazon, you shop yep. on Bookshop, and then they they give some money to the bookstore. Um, so it's more expensive than Amazon, but I feel better about it. So that's what I linked yep. to Ed Yong's book on, and I just want to make our listeners aware of that. If we if you can, you know, consider supporting a bookshop instead of uh, Amazon. By the way, Julia, All right. okay. just sorry, just one other tangent. I have yeah. not read a book cover to cover. Uh, so our older daughter is about to turn seven and I would say in mm-hmm. about seven years, I think, wow. I think, I think when she was first born, I read a couple of parenting books. But I may not have finished them. Um, so I'm very embarrassed. I love reading. And of course, you know, in our field, people, people are just readers, um, yeah. but I haven't. So this is, this may be the first one apart from my own textbook uh, that I read, but I, it sounds like a well, good one. If you're just going to read one every seven years, you should yeah. read *An Immense World*. <laughs> okay, <laughs> high praise. Um, yeah, you know it's it's interesting. I've heard I've heard actually like lots lots of academics say I have to read so much for my job that like reading for fun isn't fun for me. Hmm. Um, and I went through a phase of that um, in 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 grad school. I remember like I didn't read much for pleasure in grad school. Um, I I'm 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 a big reader now. Um, and really, um, think it's, think it's good for me in ways mm-hmm. that make me feel very, um, happy and justified in, in like making, making sure I make time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's, I think it's brings me peace and is, and is fun and yeah. I get to learn cool things about, you know, whatever yeah. I'm interested in. And, um, but, but yeah, I think I, I just, I mean, I want to say, I think you're not alone. I've heard lots of people kind of voice that yeah well thank you thanks for that i feel like it's not that i'm tired of reading i just like i don't know when to do it i know you have to make time for it but i i struggle with that also you're just you know with the age of your kids and everything you are still so in the thick of it that's what i hope yeah (laughs) actually what one interesting part about the move um is i have a much longer commute um which Mm. i i i Honestly, the day that I applied for this job, I started like psyching myself up for what the commute would be like, um, which sounds silly, but I, you know, anyway, I knew I had to do it. And so it's been, it's been okay. And I've adjusted to it, but it's an hour on the commuter rail, um, each way, which Mm -hmm. is, and and then, then like walking or taking the tea in Boston, but the commuter rail time has actually been great because it's long enough. I can actually do stuff. I always get a seat. I have a laptop. Um, and so I, I mean, now I'm writing my textbook on the train, but I could imagine either doing other stuff or, you know, gasp, reading a book. Um, yeah, so I think yeah, once yeah. the book is done, yeah, that protected time, it's like two hours a day on the days that I come in where, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have any meetings, no one's knocking on my door um, mm-hmm. or whatever. So I, I've actually really appreciated that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a silver lining, I think. You're like, well, I have a two hour commute, but boy, I really like that train ride. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, right. Beats like having to drive yourself two hours in traffic every sure. day or something exactly. like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's two threads I want to pull together and kind of get back to, uh, like mm-hmm. finish the, you know, put the bookmark or not the bookmark, the bookend, right? Finish mm-hmm. up. So one was about changing priorities that we were kind of talking mm-hmm. about. And I think, you know, for both of us, you know, or certainly for me, you know, the podcast kind of dropped out, like not because we don't like doing it, but just felt like, you know, it, when things for me, when things were going smoothly at my old job, I had little bits of time here and there to squeeze in like fun projects like the podcast, right? Squeeze in. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm cha. 
Um, but then all of those little extra frictions that came in with the move felt yep, like yep. it like expanded to fill those cracks. And I needed all the extra time just to, you know, whatever, get through my day. Um, mm-hmm. And now, so, so the podcast kind of fell out and that's why we went from a kind of like, you know, bi-weekly to monthly schedule to like an every other month schedule to an annual schedule. <laughs> so hopefully it's going to be better than annual. I know. <laughs> no, I know that's the goal, but now I feel like things are opening up again that um, I can at least do more than one a year. Um, yeah. Right. Yep. The other thing, by the way, sorry, this is going back to like, how was your year? Uh, so in the spring I taught, I taught a new course. Uh, I'm in the communication sciences and disorders department and I taught an intro course, Introduction to Communication Sciences and Disorders. Oh. Well, despite having a lots in common with people in this department and working with lots of people who are speech-language pathologists, I have never in my entire life been in a CSD class or CSD department or anything. So, like, it's an intro class. I knew nothing, right? This is wow. all – I mean, not sorry, not nothing. Compared to your average person on the street – I have some context, but in terms sure, of, of course, like yeah. diagnosing and treating speech disorders, I, nothing. So I was all psyched up for like, okay, it's going to be, I like intro classes every week. I'll read the textbook. I have a couple of textbooks, you know, and I'll put together some slides and whatever. Mm-hmm. Right before the semester, uh, I fell down the stairs um, and I was, uh, luckily I reached out and caught myself. My feet just went out from under me. But I pulled my um, chest, so I tore my pectoral muscle. Uh, so I was oh. in a sling. I had to have surgery. I was in a sling for like three months, and I had to do like PT twice a week and like tons of doctor's appointments. And so the, whatever extra time I was planning on for class prep or, you know, whatever, it was like all of a sudden I was like zero time and was in pain oh. and then also yeah. had to do this kind of challenging class, you know, because I didn't have any time to, to do it. It was all new material. So that totally like threw off, you know, the entire spring slash rest of the year. So that's, that's my yeah. other excuse. Um, anyway, so the podcast kind of fell out naturally. And I think you and I both, y- y- anyway, we, you're very understanding. I think you and I both sort of acknowledge sometimes in life are harder, but I am looking forward to this kind of coming back into the rotation. Um, yeah. And then also getting back to a point you made, what was the phrase you used about like things that you're uniquely suited to doing or that you contribute something that's not oh, replaceable? Um, I, I said uh, places where I'm have value above replacement. Value like above have, replacement. Have yeah. Comparative advantage. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, I mean, you know, not to um, toot our own horn, but this is something that we do that's pretty unique and um, mm-hmm. I'd like, that's something I'd like to keep doing because I think we do, you know, we do something here together that we wouldn't do apart and that not other people, not a lot of other people are doing. Yeah. Yep. And for the folks who have taken the time to email us or, uh, you know, reach out on Twitter or um, talk to us at conferences or something to let us know that you're appreciating it. We really appreciate that because that lets us know that, you know, it's something that's worth doing if it's something that is feels of value to people. So. Thanks for yeah. doing that. A hundred percent. Yeah. I still have a whole bunch of stickers. If you would like a sticker, <laughs> there's a form. Is there a form on the website? Uh, we have a contact. Or, contact us. And then you can just uh, ask us for a sticker, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'd be happy to send you one. Yes. And please, you know, we actually, 
I, w- I would love it if we got to the point where we had to order more stickers. So oh. everyone, write to Julia, make her send you the stickers, the and then we'll get more. Make me order more stickers. I'm hey, not we, telling you how many there are. <laughs> <laughs> we should quickly. Um, so what are you doing? Are, are you still on, you know, the service formerly known as Twitter? Where, where are you doing social media stuff these days? Boy, you know, I've just not been doing very much. Um, mm-hmm. I still am on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, but it's it sure brings me less joy than it used to because so many of my loved ones have left. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you? I, I'm on Mastodon, and mm-hmm. which I don't mind. I do it a little bit less. There are fewer people there, and I get less interaction than I got on Twitter. But mm-hmm. the interaction that's there is good. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll put I'll put a link to my Mastodon account. Uh, I have on the show one. Notes. I just don't use it very often. But yeah, put mine on there too. And, and yep. yep. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of refreshing to not be as tied into electronics. Yeah. But I do. Uh, it, but I yeah. also miss a lot of the the good parts of it. You know. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I do. We normally don't talk about this on the air, Julia, but what should we talk about next time? And you'll oh. notice I'm being optimistic that we're going to like it will be less than a year before. I like that. Well, before next time. some some things I have been thinking a lot about lately um, uh, have to do with teaching and mm-hmm. teaching writing in the mm-hmm. age of chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, how that how that should affect what it is we want our students to actually come away with so that could be fun that would be great i would love to talk about that with you and i can give you a preview the undergraduate class i'm teaching in the fall for the first time is called the neuroscience of language um and i'm leaning pretty heavily towards not using powerpoint slides and just doing it on the chalkboard which is actually a whiteboard Mm -hmm. Um, which I've never done before. I've always like, ha- you know, supplemented maybe on the board, but really had like a foundation in the slides so people can take notes. And if they miss a class, they can tr- sort of get a sense of what it was about. So I have mm-hmm. to say I'm a little bit nervous about um, how the students will view this because I think it's rare these days. But I'm also excited because I hope it kind of frees up the discussion. Um, sure. And because it's a topic I know well enough to do it, like other classes, I actually need the slides to like help yeah, more a little bit more of a crutch sometimes, whereas this, I yeah, don't feel yeah. like I need a crutch. Um, so I'd love yep. to get your thoughts on that too, and I can sure. update people, you know, throughout the semester. Well, let's uh, let's set a date, okay, and a backup date just in case. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for listening. Nice to be back, and hope to talk to you soon. All right, thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.